Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, uh, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your presence this morning. Um, it is you're in your presence that there is fullness of joy, that there is healing, and that there is restoration. And I just pray that I would become less, and that you would become more, and that your word would go forth from Zion to the ends of the earth. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. In the hills of New Mexico, a young Jewish woman found herself stranded. So she decided to say a simple prayer to God. She had never prayed before, but she figured if she was going to get home, she might as well ask God for some help. So she lifted her eyes after she prayed this simple prayer, and she saw a bus that was idling and it pulled over to the side of the road, but not just any bus. It had the words etched on the side, Jesus, one way. And the riders inside the bus, they had actually laid hands on their vehicle before starting off. And they asked God that if they encountered anyone who didn't know Yeshua, that they could pick up on their way. That by the time that person got off the bus, that they would know Yeshua. And this young woman, this young Jewish woman, she got on the bus, and they gave her a ride home. And she listened to their testimonies, and she listened to the scriptures that they shared with her, because she figured, after all, this was God's answer to her prayer, so she might as well listen. And that young woman was named Jane Resnick, and she went home and shared her experience with her husband, Russell Resnick. And another hippie Jewish couple that was living with them in this commune out in New Mexico, Andrew and Connie Shishkov, Andrew later known as Eitan Shishkov. The first couple that I mentioned, Rabbi Russ and Jane, we had the pleasure of having real Chicago-style pizza with them a couple days ago in Chicago, right? Okay. And Russ Resnick, of course, was the longtime executive director of the UMJC, and he currently holds a rabbi to the rabbi's position, uh, advising congregations throughout the UMJC. Eitan Shishkov, the, the other couple, I met for the first time at Tikkun, and uh, the Tikkun conference uh, a month ago, and he is on the uh, Israeli triad of excuse me, the founders of Tikkun, along with Asher Intrader and Daniel Juster. But let's go back to the, to the hippie Jews for a moment in the commune. Is that okay with you? Yeah. So this, unbeknownst to these long-haired radicals, this was the beginning of something dynamic, something new, and yet something very old. The movement known as Messianic Judaism. It came out of what was called the Jesus Movement in the early 70s here in the United States. For some reason, all of these hippies, many of whom were Jewish, were coming to a full knowledge of the Messiahship of Yeshua. Perhaps it was because in 1967, Jerusalem came under Jewish authority exactly 50 years ago. After all, in Luke 21:24, Yeshua said, "Jerusalem shall be trampled upon by the Gentiles, 
until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. So maybe that's the reason. But whatever the reason, Jewish people were accepting Yeshua in droves in a way that hadn't occurred in nearly 2,000 years since the first disciples of Yeshua, who, of course, were all Jews. But there was conflict. There was a conflict of culture, tradition, identity. When you read the testimony of Rabbi Russ Resnick and other pioneers of the faith, you get the sense that they were wrestling with giants. The new Messianic Jews were worshiping in Christian contexts, in churches, celebrating Christmas and Easter, and they felt at the margin of this culture that it both embraced them, but then seemed to have no place for them to be Jews. Rabbi Russ Resnick wrote about this tension in a blog post entitled, My Journey, which is where I got the opening story from this sermon. And I'm going to quote him again from the same post. He writes, quote, With our counterculture background, we didn't view such marginalization as the end of the world. If this Jesus Jewish identity was from God, we could handle the rejection. But we weren't sure it was from God or how it would actually work. During that period, we met with Eliezer Erbach, may his memory be for a blessing, who was a mentor and father figure to many young Messianic Jews. Eliezer started visiting Albuquerque every month and soon took me under his wing. One day he said to me, Russell, one tuchus cannot dance at two weddings. You'll have to decide. Will your children partake in the Christmas pageant or the Hanukkah play? The choice seemed obvious enough, but how to do it was not so clear. By 1980, I had become an elder at age 32 of a charismatic pro-Israel church with a sizable Jewish contingent. We led a Friday night home group of about two dozen, mostly Jews and intermarried couples. Some of our friends in other parts of the country were leaving their churches and joining Messianic Jewish congregations, but Jane and I were not so sure about that move. As a recovering hippie, I was not eager to join yet another rebellion, even one taking the form of a religious movement. Besides, some of what I saw of emerging Messianic Judaism was not too inspiring, with a uh, Jewishness that often seemed contrived or superficial. Then there were the inevitable theological questions. Was it really okay for us to form our, our own explicitly Jewish congregations? Didn't faith in Jesus transcend Jew-Gentile distinctions? At the same time, our closest friends were joining such congregations. Even Eliezer, who initially opposed the whole idea, dropped his reservations and helped to start a Messianic congregation in Denver. These were the people I trusted most in the world. Shouldn't I go with them on this issue? Unquote. And so it went with all the pioneers of our movement. Slowly, boldly, they created communities for Jewish life while following Yeshua, for celebrating Passover and Yom Kippur with Yeshua at the center, for creating space in which Jews who loved Yeshua could, as we say every week, remain Jews, keeping with their calling and their covenant from God. And what were they wrestling with? 
1,500 years of anti-Jewishness in the name, unfortunately, in the name of Jesus. The Crusades, the pogroms, the Holocaust. It seemed that there was some force of evil bent on destroying the Jewish people, either by murdering them outright or by forcing them to convert or die and thus lose their identity as Jews. 1,500 years of Christian theology which left out Israel or said that the church replaced Israel or taught that Israel was on some kind of back burner uh, dispensation, if you will, and that uh, now was the time of Gentiles. And then, you know, at the end of days, maybe God would turn back to Israel with the 144,000 and all that, but basically that their time is, is not now. And yet, God was faithful to preserve us Jews as a people. And he was faithful in the early 1970s to draw many of those children of Jacob to knowledge of his greatest blessing, Yeshua, the Messiah. This, however, is not even half of the story. I met Pastor Wayne Hilsden at the conference in Chicago last week. He is the father of Jamie Hilsden, the leader of McKedden, who gave the concert right here where I'm standing. Raise your hand if you remember that. All right. Um, so it was his father. And uh, Pastor Wayne led the King of Kings community in Jerusalem. That's their congregation for over 20 years. And he was the last speaker of the UMJC conference. And addressing all the leaders of the UMJC, he based his talk on this passage in Isaiah 49, verses 5 through 6. And if we have it up here, let's read it together. So now, Adonai says, He formed me in the womb to be his servant. Read it with me, please. To bring Yaakov back to him. To have Israel gather to him. So that I will be honored in the sight of Adonai, my God having become my strength. He has said, It is not enough that you are merely my servant to raise up the tribes of Yaakov and restore the offspring of Israel. I will also make you a light to the nations so my salvation can spread to the ends of the earth. God says, it's not enough. Lo, Dainu. It is not enough that we, Messianic Jews, are merely his servants to restore the children of Jacob, the Jewish people. But we are to be a light to the nations so that his salvation, his, what is that in Hebrew? Yeshua can spread to the ends of the earth. You see, we, we Messianic Jews, we feel so marginalized, rejected, rejected by the Jewish community for our Yeshua faith. Ugh. Rejected by the Christian community for going back under the law. Poor, poor us. Really? Here's the problem. We have struggled as a movement to restore the Jewishness 
of the New Testament, to restore the Jewishness of Yeshua, to say to the world, this is not some blonde-haired Gentile Savior named Jesus. This is our Messiah, Yeshua, the Lion of Judah, the Son of David, the Rabbi of rabbis. And we have fought tooth and nail for this. Not really us, but the pioneers of our faith, the Dan Justers and the Russ Resnicks. But perhaps we have overcorrected. And what I mean is, what about the nations? I believe today that we are at another turning point in Messianic Jewish history. Who are we and whom do we want to be? Because it is not we who are marginalized in the Messianic Jewish movement. Even though, in most cases, Jews are the minority in Messianic synagogues. But perhaps, perhaps, we have marginalized the Gentiles. And perhaps, we have not been a blessing. Perhaps we have not been a blessing to the nations and fulfilled our calling to be a light. And if so, this is because of two very famous sins. Fear and pride. Fear. Fear from being wiped out. We know, we know that Messianic Judaism is one generation from being extinct. We know that if we don't teach our young people to walk in their Jewish identity and to know Yeshua, that all our efforts will be for naught. Pride? Pride is sticky, isn't it? We Messianic Jews, you know, we're heirs of both covenants, regrafted into the natural root, guardians of the Torah and the prophets. As Rabbi Paul of Tarsus alludes to, we would have much room for boasting if that were appropriate. Have we remembered distinction and let mutual blessing fall by the wayside? I know of Gentiles in our midst who are mature, who have a confirmed calling to be part of our community, and still they hear that nagging voice. What are you doing at Tikvot? You don't belong here. Have we contributed to that voice with our action or with our inaction? I believe we have. The most famous sentence in the most famous book in the entire world, translated into nearly every language in some Bibles at the very beginning, says this. And if you know it, you can say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. God so loved the world. If I may backtrack again to the early days of Messianic Judaism, who was it who preached the gospel to those hippie Jews? The historic church. Who was it who created the Hebrew Christian Alliance, which later morphed into the MJAA and the UMJC, the two major Messianic organizations in the world? The Gentiles. Who was it who spoke into my heart as a college student? As though God himself were speaking 
to me through them. The Goyim, yeah. The same church we were struggling against, that was the church that, su- excuse me, <clears throat> that supported us and enabled us to even come into the kingdom at all. So what is our calling as a new covenant community in the context of Messianic Judaism? We need theological balance between distinction and mutual blessing. We need enough distinction so that we are enabling Jews to walk in their calling, walk in their identity from God. And then we need enough mutual blessing that we aren't being divisive. I've given this analogy before, but I think it's the best model for distinction and mutual blessing. And that is marriage. Men and women, we're different. Raise your hand if you know that's true. <laughs> okay. We're different, right? And each spouse has a different set of gifts, different perspective, different experience, sometimes different definitions for the same word. For example, I think that is clean. Okay? <laughs> but God has brought them together to bless each other out of their distinctiveness. And so it is with the body of Messiah. Yes, we need to restore the Jewishness of Scripture and Yeshua and the Jewish roots of the faith, but not to the point where we make being Jewish to be some kind of idol or some kind of ideal. The only way we can possibly do this is to model our ethic on the Messianic Jew par excellence, Yeshua of Nazareth. He is the one who humbled himself unto the execution stake, rejected, naked, beaten down. He didn't think of himself, but he thought of his love for all the nations when he went to the tree. Does scripture tell us that all husbands are to do the same according to his word? Does it say that? Yes or no? Yeah. Are we not to give up our lives and our right to selfishness as Messiah gave up his life for us and think of our wives before ourselves? Perhaps the analogy of marriage applies here to Messianic Jews. What was the passion of Paul? To see unity in the community. To see Jews and Gentiles humbly preferring one to the other. Walking in their calling and identity as they are. For this, he labored with his pen. I'm convinced. As an example, the community of the Galatians was having a problem with the marginalization of Gentiles. And this is what Paul wrote in Galatians 2, 11 through 13. Furthermore, when Kepha, that is Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him publicly because he was clearly in the wrong. For prior to the arrival of certain people from the community held by Yaakov, also known as Jacob or James, he had been eating with Gentile believers. But when they came, he withdrew, separated himself, because he was afraid of the faction who favored circumcising Gentile believers. And the other Jewish believers became hypocrites along with him, 
so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. What is that? It's divisive. It's just divisiveness. Our vision at Tikvat, the picture of where we're going, is to bridge and restore relationship between Yeshua, the Jewish people, and the nations. And if that's something you can get behind, then please come and join us. The future of God's movement, known as Messianic Judaism, is in our hands. Let us humbly walk in distinction and mutual blessing, affirming each other's identity and encouraging one another in the love of Messiah. Amen. Abba, our Father, you are so good. We just thank you for your word. Thank you for the narrative of love, the love that you have for Israel and the love that you have for the nations. And we pray for your word to go forth, for your love to go forth, for your Torah to go forth, and encourage, encourage us to be a blessing and to be like Yeshua, to not be proud, but to be humble. Because as Roe Todd says, none of us, none of us have the resume that Yeshua has, and yet he humbled himself unto death. So kal v'chomer, how much more should we, his servants, humble ourselves and be a blessing to those in our community? Bless us, God, but bless us to be a blessing and not to merely be blessed. Give us a heart for others a heart for, for our spouses and a heart for others, to prefer them to ourselves, to be like you, that the world will know that we are your disciples by our love for one another. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. <laughs>